Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. In Acts chapter 17, we find Paul and Silas. And we find them in Thessalonica. One of the great lines, I guess, or statements that we read in the book of Acts is how these individuals turn the world upside down. That is our theme for this year, turning the world upside down. Do you remember what happened here? Look over in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is reasoning in the synagogue for three Sabbaths. In verse 4, some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with a large number of the God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. That's talking about individuals who were converted to Jesus. But the Jews becoming jealous, and this is something Paul would have to face throughout his entire ministry, and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacking the house of Jason. They were seeking to bring them out to the people. They were trying to drag Paul and others out of their homes into the crowd and into the city. But they could not find them in verse 6. When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the world have come here also. I find it really interesting that people are trying to drag Paul out of a house. But remember in Acts chapter 8, it was Paul who was dragging people out of houses. Remember that? Look over in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, Paul is on a mission in Acts chapter 8. Or actually, Acts chapter 9. Paul is on a mission here. Uh, Actually, both will do. In Acts chapter 8, in verse number 3, Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. So my question for all of us this morning that I want us to focus on is what happened between Acts chapter 8 to Acts chapter 17? Paul was dragging people out of their homes. Now in Acts chapter 17, he's trying to be dragged out of a house. What happened? Paul was converted to Jesus Christ. That's exactly what happened. That's what I want us to consider this morning as we study from the book of Acts, this idea of conversion to Jesus Christ. The book of Acts is, has to be one of the most exciting books to read. I want to encourage all of you in your Bible reading, if you have not been doing it this year, start today. Pick up in the Gospel of Luke and read the book of Acts. Your faith will grow as a result of this. What we find in the book of Acts, we find men and women turning to God, being converted from their sins and following Jesus Christ. It's one of the great books to read where we see the power of God at work. Look over in Acts chapter 15 and verse number 3. One of the things that Paul often did in his ministry, he would share the stories of individuals being converted. And there was great joy from the brethren when they heard these stories. In Acts 15 and verse number 3, the Bible says, Therefore being sent on their way, Paul and Barnabas, by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. We find story after story 
regarding conversions. Will you mark down these verses here? This will help you as you read the book of Acts. Turn over to Acts chapter 2 here real quickly. And you can write this in your margin here. I think this will give you a nice little timeline or marker or reminder of what you're going to see in this book. In Acts chapter 2 and verse number 47, the Bible says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is going to be a recurring theme, men and women becoming disciples. Second passage I want you to write down is Acts chapter 6, verse number 7. Write it next to Acts 2 or write it in your margin or in your phone. Acts chapter 6 and verse number 7. Notice what the Bible says here. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Verse number 3, Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. Look at Acts chapter 9 and verse number 31. I want you to see the spread of the kingdom of God. Nothing is going to stop the gospel. That's what we see in the book of Acts. Men and women are going to be converted to Christ. Acts 9 and verse number 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. More people are being saved. Look at chapter 12 and verse number 24. Chapter 12, at the end of verse number 24, we find this theme again in chapter 12 and verse 24. But the word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. Now look at Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19 and verse number 20, that's the last passage concerning this thread that we see all throughout the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 19 and verse number 20, what does it say here? So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. I just find that awesome. Nothing is stopping the kingdom of God. Nothing is going to stop the power of Jesus Christ. What else is interesting that in the book of Acts, you know whose conversion story we have the most? Paul's. Isn't it interesting that Paul's conversion story is given to us not once, not twice, But three times, and I want us to consider Paul's conversion story this morning. We find the first account in Acts chapter 9. Let me just say this here too. His story is one of great encouragement. His story is of one of great encouragement because it shows us that anyone can change. That the gospel is for all. In fact, look over in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and then I'll give you those verses here. Look over in 1 Timothy chapter 1. One of the things that Paul would do throughout his life after he was converted, would remember what Jesus had done for him. What a great example for us. In verse number 12, he told Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1, in verse number 12, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. See, Paul knew what God had done for him. And I think it's interesting that his story is recorded the most when it comes to this idea of conversion stories. The first is found in Acts chapter 9. And some have described this as being more of a historical account. 
The second is found in Acts chapter 22, where Paul is rehearsing his conversion story to a Jewish audience. And then his third time, the third time it's found, is in Acts chapter 26, where he has a Roman audience like King Agrippa and Festus, and maybe trying to show them that, no, this kingdom and what I am doing is not trying to... uh, Uh, go in Rome's place or anything like that. So he's speaking to this Roman audience. So we have these three occasions where Paul's conversion story is referenced. And I want us to focus primarily in Acts chapter 9. We're going to walk through Acts chapter 9. I want us to do this for a couple of reasons. Number one, I want us to understand how are men and women converted to Jesus Christ. If someone were to ask you that, and this may be a great lesson to memorize or to, to, to use, to share with individuals, what does true conversion to Christ look like? Is it just some warm feeling that a person has? What did Paul do in order to be converted to Jesus Christ? Then what happens after one is converted? I'm talking to an audience that for many of us, we've already been converted to Jesus Christ. Well, can we share with others how to be converted as well? Does our life still look like we have been converted to Jesus Christ? Paul's going to show us all of this. Look over in Acts chapter 9. Will you read with me here, please? And we'll move quickly here through Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse number 1. What we find is that Paul's on a mission. Paul is on a mission, and up until this point, no one's been able to stop him. He's at the, he's at the, the, the place where Stephen has been um, stoned to death, He's taking the coats in. He's approving of that. We know in Acts chapter 8 that he's ravaging the church. Now look at Acts chapter 9 and look at verse number 1. Now Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest. We see that Paul is on a mission and there is nothing at this moment that is stopping him. He is hunting the brethren. He is hunting the church. I want you to notice in Acts chapter 26 here real quickly, just hold your place here in Acts chapter 9, I want you to see to what extent Paul would go to try to destroy these Christians. In in Acts chapter 26, verse number 10, and this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests. But also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them, often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. Has anyone tried to force you to blaspheme? Our lives are pretty easy compared to what some of these Christians were experiencing. And being furiously engaged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. Oh, how the tables have turned for Paul. Now the Jews are following him to foreign cities. Well, that's what he did. He was on a mission in Acts 9 and verse 1, breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus. So he had authority. He had permission so that if he found any belonging to the way, and I love how he would be able to distinguish those who were of the way. You see, when people are converted, people will know that we are a part of something great, that we are part of something different, that we are a part of the way both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Nothing was going to stop him. The chief priest had given him permission, but there was one who would be able to stop him, and that is the great high priest, Jesus in heaven. 
Jesus is going to stop Paul in his tracks. Look at verse 3. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, wait a second. He had been persecuting Christians. So why is he saying that you're persecuting me? Because he was persecuting his people. He was persecuting the church. And so now Saul, well, Saul now has some things that he's going to have to understand and come to grips with. He responds with a term of respect. Who are you, Lord? Jesus, in verse number five, said, I am Jesus. And the other accounts in chapter 22 and chapter 26, Jesus says, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So what does Paul know right now? He knows that Jesus is alive. He knows that, yes, he died on the cross, but he knows now that Jesus has to be risen from the dead. He is alive and he's in heaven. Jesus is speaking to him. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Notice what Jesus is going to do. And this is going to begin to help us to see what is required when it comes to being converted. We're going to see that, obviously, faith, and we'll come back to this point, is absolutely necessary. And Saul now believes, he's going to believe, he has the evidence to know that Jesus is alive and that he is risen from the dead. But there's a lot more that's going to happen with Paul or Saul on his journey to Damascus. Notice what Jesus said to him in verse 6. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. I want you to write these down if you're taking notes, if that's something that you do. Or I want you just to make sure that you memorize this. If a person is going to be converted to Jesus Christ, number one... We're, we're going to see here that humility is required. Can we say that Paul was humbled after this experience? I think we can. Paul was humbled after this experience. He knew that he was wrong in what he was doing and what he was teaching and what he had believed about Jesus Christ. Didn't Jesus teach about humility? Remember the Sermon on the Mount? Remember our young people are memorizing this verse, but so are we. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For what? Theirs is the kingdom of God. If anyone is going to be converted to Jesus Christ and added to the kingdom of God, they must be poor in spirit. We must be poor in spirit. We must understand our desperate, dire situation of being lost in sin, of being outside where salvation is found in Jesus Christ, and understanding our need for God and His Son, Jesus, so that we might be redeemed. And that requires humility. And humility can be a challenging thing. Nothing had gotten in the way of Paul and his work, destroying Christians. Now he is brought to his knees and he's blind. Humility is what is necessary if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God and if you're going to be converted to Jesus Christ. Will you read with me in Matthew chapter 18? In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus spoke about this to his apostles. 
Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse number 1, listen to what Jesus said here about the kingdom of heaven. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That's an odd question, (laughs) right? The apostles needed a lot of help with humility as well. And he called a child to himself and set him before them. Listen to what he says. I'm reading from the New American Translation. Truly I say to you, unless you are converted or turned, that's what this word converted means, unless you are converted or turned and become like little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest of the kingdom, uh, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is teaching that if we are going to be converted, we must have a humble heart. This is hard for a lot of people. This is hard because it requires, maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe I am wrong. Maybe I've just viewed all of this incorrectly. In fact, you see an example of this, and the prophets actually talked about this. Look at the last chapter in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 28, where we find Paul in prison in Acts chapter 28, but he's still teaching the kingdom of God. I want you to notice that not everyone was converted to Jesus Christ. And that's going to happen in our experiences with studying the Bible. Not everyone is going to be converted to Jesus Christ. Look at what Paul said here, what the Holy Spirit said in verse 24. Some were being persuaded by the things spoken by Paul. He had been talking about Jesus from the law of Moses, from the prophets, morning until evening. But others would not believe. And when they did not agree with one another, they began leaving after Paul had spoken one parting word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah, the prophet to your father. So he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 6. And notice what Isaiah says, go to this people and say, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of the people has become dull and their ears with their ears, they scarcely hear and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return that's the idea of repentance to understand and to return to come back to the lord to submit to him and he said and i would heal them but they wouldn't do it so he said therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of god has been sent to the gentiles they will listen also humility is something that everyone has to have if they're going to become a child of god and be converted to jesus christ but many of the jews were proud and rejected the Messiah. They resisted the Holy Spirit. We can do that as well. Many people today will do that. They will hold on to their family religion at all costs, even though it is directly contrary to what they read in the Bible. If we're going to become a citizen in the kingdom of heaven, humility is required. Paul is now humbled going back to Acts chapter 9. Paul has faith. He believes Jesus is the Messiah. He believes that he is Lord. And you go back to Acts chapter 9. We know this because Jesus is speaking directly to him. Paul would be called out of due season. That's how he describes himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I believe also in Galatians as well. Jesus speaks directly to him. And Paul no doubt has faith that Jesus is risen from the dead. Now, we don't need to have that same experience to have faith in Jesus today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
But make no mistake about it, we must have faith in Jesus, faith that he lived, faith that he died on the cross, faith that he was risen from the grave. But we don't have to see him or hear him to believe. Look over in 1 Peter chapter 1. There were Christians even in the first century who had not seen Jesus or who had not directly spoken to Jesus, and yet they still believed. And we can have that same kind of faith as well. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 8, Peter said, And though you had not seen him, see, they hadn't seen him. You love him. It's possible to love Jesus, even though we've never seen him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, they loved him and they also believed in him. We can have that same kind of faith as well because of God's word and what is recorded for us in the scriptures. You greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible, full of glory. Paul certainly had faith in Jesus Christ. And if one is going to be converted, they must have humility and understand their need for God. They must have faith in understanding who Jesus is and why he died and and, and the fact that he is the, the son of God. And teaching is required if one is going to be converted. Isn't it interesting that here, even in Acts chapter 9, Saul was not converted after that vision was ended. He was on the road to Damascus, but there's still more that he needs to understand. There's still more that he needs to do. Teaching is required if one is going to be converted to Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 9 and look at verse number 6. But get up and enter the city and it will be told you what you must do. That's exactly what happened when you look at Peter's rehearsal of events when he was at the house of Cornelius. Look over in Acts chapter 11. In verse number 16, or verse number 14, I find it interesting that Cornelius had a vision from the Lord, yet he wasn't saved right when he had that vision. He still needed to be taught what he must do. Listen to what it says in verse 14. Peter talking to his Jewish brother, and it said, And he will speak words to you, talking about Peter, by which you will be saved, you and all your household. So if one is going to be saved, if one is going to turn back to God and be converted, teaching is necessary. Faith is required. Understanding and humility is necessary. Remember in Acts chapter 16, look over with the Philippian jailer here. Paul and Silas are going to teach him. Look at Acts chapter 16. This jailer asked the question about salvation in verse number 30. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your household. But we can't stop there because in verse 32, it says, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. So if we're going to be converted to Jesus, then we must be taught and we must understand who Jesus is and what we are doing and what is required. Obedience is going to be necessary if one is going to be converted. I find it interesting, going back to Acts chapter 9, Paul had been on this rampage for such a long time. But now he is stopped in his tracks. He is humbled. He is fasting and praying. He's without sight. He neither ate nor drank for, for three days. He's not saved at that point. But what we see, and we're going to see this moving forward in his life, he's going to be obedient to what God wanted him to do. He's obedient with what Jesus told him to do. He told him in verse 6, get up, 
Enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. And Paul is going to respond with obedience. If one is going to be converted to Christ, one must be obedient to what Jesus says in all things. And this was what Paul began to do. He had been opposed to Jesus, opposed to his teaching. But now he is listening to the words of Jesus. He's not yet fully converted, but he's on the path to being converted to Jesus Christ. And if you are in need of being converted today, you have to be willing to submit to Jesus because he is Lord of all. And we have to be willing to be obedient to everything that he said. I left something off this slide, but we can still talk about it because it's extremely important. Repentance is a part of being converted. If one is going to be converted, you got to be willing to turn away from your sins. Do you not think that Paul, when he was there in uh, Acts chapter 9, and uh, he's there without sight, he's not eating or drinking for three days, that he had a penitent heart? I think we can say with certainty that he did. And one of the things that I was thinking about, too, when he was there in Acts chapter 9 and verse 9 without sight and not eating or drinking, what do you think was going on in Paul's mind? What do you think he was thinking? Was he thinking, wait a second, Isaiah 53? This This is what Isaiah 53 was talking about. This is talking about Jesus. Or was he thinking about Gamaliel, remember what Gamaliel said in in Acts chapter 5? To leave these people alone because you actually may be fighting against God. Now Paul knew that he had been fighting against God. There were a lot of things, I'm sure, that were going through his mind. And I believe it's safe to say that Paul would have a penitent heart. He would turn away from his sins. Not safe to say. I know that he did because that's exactly what we see. In fact, when you turn over to Acts chapter 26, look at this story here that he gives to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. In Acts chapter 26, he talks exact, or uh, he talks exactly about this idea of repentance. He said in Acts 26 in verse number 16, Ananias speaking to him, but get up, stand up on your feet, For this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness not only to things, this is Jesus speaking to him, which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Pay attention to what he says here next in verse 18. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. If one is going to be converted... There has to be this turning from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God. We don't use that language maybe that much. But when we are teaching people and and trying to teach the gospel and people are obeying Jesus Christ and being saved, they are now turning from darkness, from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent. Paul is telling them to repent. We know that Paul had to repent and turn to God. There's this idea of conversion. Repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate 
to repentance. And that's what Paul would do. Paul would turn away from the sinful conduct that he had been engaged in. And he would turn to God. And he would follow God. And Ananias would come to him in Acts chapter 9. God would, Jesus would speak to Ananias in Acts chapter 9. Look at verse number 10. There was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. He's praying, but he's not yet saved. He's fasting, but he's not yet saved and converted. And he has seen a vision, verse 12, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. You see, Paul had a reputation. Everybody knew what he had done. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. So Ananias departed. Here's another example. When one is converted, they're going to be obedient. You're going to be obedient to Jesus. Ananias was obedient even though there was fear. He departed. He entered the house. And after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul. And that language, Brother Saul, is how the Jews would communicate to one another. Remember in Acts chapter 2, in verse number 37, the Jews said to the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So he's not saying that he's already a brother in Christ at this point. He's just talking about uh, talking in the manner in which they would do in that culture. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. If one is going to be converted to Jesus, one must be humble in spirit. One must be willing to have faith and believe what the Bible teaches about Jesus and be taught the truth from the word of God and be obedient to listen to everything that is taught in the Holy Scriptures. And one must be willing to repent and also to be baptized. Look over in Acts 22 because in the second account that Paul gives, he gives us some supplemental information here about baptism and the necessity of baptism. Baptism is essential if one is going to be converted to Jesus. Now, we need to understand why one is being baptized, because there's a lot of confusion out there. But when Paul was rehearsing his conversion story, he reminded or told the audience what Ananias had told him in verse number 16. He said, now, why do you delay? Get up. And be baptized. Maybe Paul was still praying then. He said, get up and be baptized. Why? Be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. This should eliminate the question of what baptism is for. It is to have our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we are baptized, it's God who is at work, as we see in Colossians chapter 2. This is when someone is converted to Jesus Christ. This is what the Apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Look over in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, in verse number 38, when they asked the men and brethren, what shall we do? I want you to notice the language is the same with what we see in Paul's conversion. Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized. So Paul has already said it's to wash away sins. Now, Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
for the forgiveness of your sins. So when your sins are washed away, you are also forgiven of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look over in Acts chapter 3 and verse number 19. Peter and John had an opportunity to preach Jesus at the temple. And they talked about Jesus being the servant of God, the holy one of God, the righteous one of God, the prince of life, which these individuals had killed. But look at verse 19. Therefore, I'm reading from the New American Translation. It says, repent and return. The King James, I believe, says repent and be converted. That's what conversion is all about. It is a turning away and a turning to, turning back to God. So that your sins may be wiped away. Doesn't that sound exactly like Acts 22 and verse 16? So that your sins will be washed away. So that you will have forgiveness of sins. So that your sins may be wiped away. In order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. If you want to experience refreshing from the Lord. You need to obey what he has to say. When you are converted to Jesus Christ, all your sins are wiped away, washed away. What a blessing that is. That's exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul. And this is what was preached all throughout the first century. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 and Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 are parallel. They're saying the exact same thing about salvation. If you want to be converted to Jesus Christ, you must believe. You must repent. And you must be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Acts chapter 9 gives us so much information about this idea of conversion and what it looks like. Paul did a lot of great things. He prayed. He fasted. But he was not saved by doing those things. He was saved when he was obedient to the message of Jesus Christ. And that's how we are saved as well. Maybe sometimes we stop here in Acts chapter 9. Yep, here we go. He was baptized. That's fantastic. He took food and was strengthened. I kind of chuckled this past week because I mentioned to someone, you know, there's there's some examples in the Bible, right? In Acts 16 when the Philippian jailer, after he was baptized, they all ate together. So I'll say, hey, look, we got Bible to do this. After one is baptized and go out and enjoy some food. Now he's eating as well. But maybe I'm taking that a little bit too far. He had been fasting for three days and for three nights. So I'm sure he was a little bit hungry. I want you to notice, though, after you have been converted to Jesus Christ, I want to ask you, have you been converted to Jesus Christ? Can you put your finger and say, I've done exactly that? If you haven't, you got to ask yourself, am I going to allow pride to creep in? Or am I going to humble myself and say, I need to do what God says? Paul counted all things loss for the sake of the gospel. But he didn't stop here after he was converted. If you're still taking notes and still with me, let me give you some final thoughts. What happens after one is converted? Let's take a look at Paul's life. Because he shows us what our lives need to look like. And what true conversion looks like. Number one, I want you to consider that when one is converted to Jesus Christ, they are a new creature in Christ. Write that down if you're taking notes and put this to memory. Everything changes after one is converted to Jesus Christ. He took food in Acts 9 verse 19. He was strengthened 
And now his entire life, his entire schedule, his all of the priorities that he had previously changed. In fact, Paul would mention this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. For he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And if you have been converted to Jesus Christ, that's what it's all about. We are complete in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Paul reminded the saints that they were complete in Jesus Christ, lacking nothing. But many times after we're converted, we can forget this. And we can begin to go to different places or different ideas or different philosophies and think that we're missing something. No, we have everything we need in Jesus Christ. So to all the young people, I want you to remember that, that you are a new creature in Christ, that your life is now hidden in Jesus Christ. And what a blessing that is. Everything would change after Paul was converted. And that's how it's supposed to be in our lives. We are new creatures in Christ. Number two, because we are a new creature in Christ, you know what that means? It means that we're now a part of a new community. We're a part of the church. We're a part of the body of Christ. We are now aligning ourselves with different people, people who have the same common salvation, people who are following Jesus just like us. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 19, what's it say? Several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. He is immediately aligning himself with the people of God. When he had the opportunity to go to Jerusalem in verse 26, he came there. He was trying to associate with the disciples he wasn't trying to hide from the other disciples to kind of do his own thing to not really align himself up with the local church at a particular place in the city so he could just kind of have his own way about doing things no he wanted to be around other christians he needed these christians to help him in his faith When you move from Louisville or Carrollton or Frisco, wherever you live right now, and you move and you go somewhere else, I pray to God you align yourself up with the people of God. You need to find, and I need to find, other Christians. We are part of a new community, and we need to be a part of a local congregation that is seeking to do the will of God. Paul needed Barnabas. No one in Jerusalem believed him to be a disciple. Imagine if Paul had to go through that by himself. He needed Barnabas to help him during this difficult time. He's no longer aligning himself up with those Jewish brethren. He's aligning himself up with the people of God. Do you have the same excitement and passion and desire to do the same thing? To, to, to be a part of a local church, not just on Sunday mornings? You know, if that's all we view the church as, just coming here, then it's really, you know, there's a lot more we're just missing. But Paul aligned himself up, and he's staying with the saints in Damascus. In fact, the saints in Damascus are going to help Paul out, and they're going to lower him down from a window. We need help from brothers and sisters in Christ because life is going to be challenging. I want to encourage you, if you've been converted to Jesus, you should have a lot of time with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I know we're still living in the world. We're going to have people we associate with and know. But you better be very careful who you align yourself up with, whether it's your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or whoever else. Make sure that you're connected with the right people, the people of God. 
That's what happened with Paul. He was a new creature in Christ. He's a part of the church, the body of Christ. There's a change in his conduct. That is what conversion is all about. We don't stay the same. We don't think the same. We don't do the same things when we were lost in our sins. He is immediately, in Acts chapter 9, verse number 20, immediately proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. That's a 180. He's proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. His confession was not a one-time event. It's a continual event. Jesus is the Son of God. People scream and talk, yes, Jesus is risen today. But will they talk about Jesus on Monday? Paul is constantly talking about Jesus. And that is what what conversion is all about. It's not just talking about him on holidays or special days or when we are converted initially. No, this is who he is. He is risen. He is the Son of God. This conduct that changed was so amazing that the Bible says in verse 21 that all the people were amazed. And we're saying, is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name? Paul knew everybody knew his past. We all have a past. But there should be such a distinction from that past that even when people learn about it and know about it, they'll say, wait a second, something drastic has happened. What happened between Acts 8 and Acts 17? He had been converted. His, he, those who called on this name, he was destroying. And we had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priest. Philippians chapter 1, remember the call that Paul gave to the saints in Philippi in Philippians chapter 1. He reminded them, and this is a reminder for us, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27, about our conduct. Because when we are converted to Jesus, we are no longer under the dominion of Satan, but under the power of God. Because of that, in verse 27, Philippians 1, the Bible says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of christ there's a manner that is worthy and there's a manner that is unworthy of the gospel and we need to know the difference and there's a lot of things that fall into that that the new testament gives us conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy that is in alignment with the gospel of jesus christ you see when one is converted their conduct has to change my conduct and your conduct has to change That's what happens after one is converted. And I will say this too. When we are converted to Jesus Christ, we have every reason to be courageous. Every reason to be bold and courageous. Not by my strength, not by your strength, but by the strength of God. Paul was courageous. I want you to notice in Acts chapter 9, after he is converted, and I, you know, a lot of time have passed here, but in Acts chapter 9, this is happening immediately and it just continue, continues to happen. He's being bold. He's going into the synagogues and he's preaching Jesus is the son of God. Look at verse 23. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching the gates day and night so they might put him to death. People can get nervous about posting a Bible verse or a sermon on Facebook, but no one is watching to find out when they can catch you to potentially kill you. That's what's happening here. But his disciples took him by the night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. His life is at stake. Yet Paul continues to be bold and courageous in all the things that he does. But even Paul 
needed reassurance. In Acts chapter 18, I have this on the slide here. In Acts chapter 18, actually, I don't have it on the slide. But Paul, during his ministry, in Acts 18, verse number 9, the Lord would speak to him again. Because he needed to be reminded about the fact that the Lord was with him. His strength and power and or confidence came from the Lord. Acts 18 and verse number 9, Paul said, The Lord said to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no man will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in this city. Paul continued to live a life of courage and boldness. For the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 9. Go back there. I want to show you this as well. Barnabas talked about in verse 27. How Paul had boldly spoken out. In the name of Jesus. And then in Acts 9 and verse 28. He was moving about freely in Jerusalem. Speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. His boldness and courage came from Jesus. We have reason today to be bold and courageous. In fact, when we are converted to Jesus Christ, we don't have to hide anything. We're not supposed to hide our light. We're supposed to shine our light and let people know that Jesus is the Son of God. Go back to those people maybe you associated with or help them to see, let me show you what Jesus has done for me. When one is converted to Christ, because we're in Christ, We have reason to be courageous. That is what should happen in our lives as well. I want to submit to you that we need to continue to grow. When one is converted to Jesus Christ, your obedience doesn't stop. Your learning and faith doesn't stop growing. You have to continue to grow in all things. In Acts 9 and verse 22, Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Over and over, Paul is growing more and more in the Lord, counting things lost for the cause of Christ. There is a continuation that has to happen after we are converted to Jesus Christ. My challenge for all of us is to examine ourselves. Have we continued to grow in Jesus Christ? You know, Brett in our gospel meeting talked about some very powerful things that get in the way of this growth and that can choke out the word of God. Bitterness, worry, lack of love. We are called to grow in our faith. And while there's great joy seeing someone baptized for the forgiveness of sins, that's just the beginning. And I know we've heard this before, but we need to be reminded of it. Because sometimes people turn back. Sometimes we can fall into the category of Simon who was converted to Christ, formerly Simon the sorcerer, where pride crept back into his heart. Sometimes we can become like Ananias and Sapphira, where pride crept into their hearts. Sometimes we become like Peter, who was prejudiced toward the Gentile Christians as well. No, we need to continue to grow and examine our hearts and to increase in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Finally, we need to make sure, like Paul, after we are converted, We need to make sure that we complete the race. Complete the race that you have begun. Paul completed his race. I want to conclude in 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, his race, which began on that road to Damascus, would take him throughout thousands of miles and journeys preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he would suffer. He would suffer a lot. And Christ would teach him 
that he would suffer a lot. He would be beaten numerous times and hungry and disappointed and concerned for the brethren by himself. Men like Demas would forsake him. He would be in prison for a couple of years, a number of years. But you know what? He completed his race. I want to encourage all of us, particularly those who may be further along in your race or in their race. Some of us may not be here next year. That could include me, and I'm talking about life and death. Life is not promised to any of us. And some of us who are elderly know that we don't have as much time as we had before. But there is one thing that we need to know for sure, that we can finish this race and complete what we have begun. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith in the future. There's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He completed his race. If you have been converted to Jesus Christ, finish what you have begun. Complete your race. There will be sickness. There will be disappointment. There will be frustrations. There will be doubts. But that's why we have to continue to grow. And that's why we continue to stay connected to our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we have to continue to hear from him, to be bold and courageous, and to press on. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul did. This wasn't an act. It wasn't something fake. He was converted to Jesus Christ. And everyone saw it and knew it. Most importantly, the Lord. Have we been converted to Jesus Christ? If you have not been converted according to what the Bible says, today is your day to be converted. Today is your day to put on Christ, to become a new creature, to be complete. Outside of Jesus Christ, you're missing something. You're lacking something. You are not complete. You're still lost in your sin. But the good news is Jesus. The fact that he died and paid that price so that we can be forgiven. And there is an opportunity for you today to be converted. Repent and turn back to the Lord. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or are looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging, motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do and... So can you take care and God bless.